I want to talk to you today about the power of zoom lens. And pay attention to this. It's absolutely fascinating. He would be in the crowds, but whenever someone rose up with a need, like a zoom lens, he would zoom in on them and everything else would get blurry. In other words, Jesus taught us that if you're truly going to be happy, don't get caught up in a selfie lens, but instead let me be on the throne of your life and focus on people. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter your sexual orientation. It doesn't matter what you've been doing or what you haven't been doing. That's not my job to clean you up. My job is to love you any way I possibly can. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna love you. Please don't mishear me. What some of you have not fully embraced yet, maybe today is your day. You can love someone and care for them and serve them and embrace them without condoning their lifestyle. We gotta get that right, church. And if you're sitting there and you're pushing back on me right now and you didn't like that video, listen, I love you, sir. I love you, man. You are way too religious and not following the way of Jesus. Yo, what's up, church? You guys are obviously here to us. Uh, seriously lean in and worship God today. I love your energy and your excitement in the house. You guys doing good? Y'all want some good news? Good news. 22 people accepted Jesus Christ last week as the Lord and Savior of their life. Cross from death to life. Praise God. You want to hear one more little nugget of good news? Um, this is, this is really big. This is not like, um, I mean, that was as big as it gets people accepting Christ, but this is unusual. This doesn't happen all the time. Uh, our worship, we all know that God has blessed us with, uh, amazing worship leadership. Can I get an amen? In many ways, all the world changers, Sharice. And now John Arthur Green, who is our new worship pastor, just totally gifted. Anywho, um, not long ago, they got together. The dude hadn't been here that long. They got together on a Saturday morning, a big group of them, and they wanted to write some original New Hope music. And so he, he hit me up before he went into that. He said, man, give me some heartbeat stuff of New Hope. And so I talked about the joy of this church and the diversity of this church and uh, the unity of this church. And do you know those guys came out of that one meeting with two songs already created and... More to come, but here's the big news. You don't want to miss next Sunday because we are doing the first New Hope original next Sunday, a week from today. And it is titled, We Sing as One. It's a song about the fact that at New Hope, we have unified diversity. Notice those words put together. We are diverse. Can I get an amen? 
but we are unified under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so this song is awesome. It's upbeat, man. It's almost got a little gospel feel to it. You're going to love it. We are debuting it next Sunday and I've got a lead vocal in it. The guests are like, cool, pastor sings. No, pastor doesn't sing. They laugh so hard because they know that would kill the project right on. Hey, check it out. If you're, if, you're feeling, if you're feeling a little disconnected these days, maybe a little isolated, you're feeling like you don't even know if you can make it through the next year or two or three, and you just don't feel like you're living life on purpose, can I just encourage you to really lean into the, the subject matter at hand these days. This series is so very important, not only for the witness of the church, but for you and me. Like, I'm never gonna live a fulfilled, abundant life. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm never gonna live a, an abundant life, a fulfilled life, a content life, unless I learn to live a one-at-a-time lifestyle, one who is engaged in putting other people first. If we're gonna have influence as a church, it really does come down to this topic that we are in in this series. And today, I wanna specifically talk to you about the power of proximity. The power of what, church? Proximity. Jesus challenges his disciples with this approach in John 13. If you know the story, in John 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Do you remember this? Now, in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew, Mark, particular, um, the, the very same night, Jesus breaks bread, remember? And he lifts the wine, and it's, it's the Last Supper, it's Holy Communion. On that very same night, the Gospel of John adds, adds a part of the evening that the others left out. When the supper was over, Jesus took the, the, the nature of a servant, of a slave, and he got down on his knees and he washed their dirty, nappy, grimy feet. Yeah, you heard nappy up in church. <laughs> he washed their feet. Powerful, powerful, same night. Broke the bread, lifted the wine, and then he, then he showed them what it's like. And he said this in John 13. Won't you read it out loud with me, church? Go. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Watch this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you... If you do what? If you love one another. Now, Jesus is with the disciples. It's a small group of people. He's about to send out a, a small group of people to change the world, to turn the world upside down. And check this out. He doesn't say, hey, the way you get to change the world, the way we're gonna make this influence, the way we're gonna change the world for God, you, I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to get those little bracelets. And I want you to make sure on that bracelet, it says WWJD. That's how we're gonna change the world, right? No, he didn't do that. Now, nothing wrong with those bracelets if you wore it back in the day. I see somebody over here holding it up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna ask you to trash your bracelet. The whole point of that bracelet was to what? To remind us to live like Jesus. But he didn't say, that's how we're going to change the world. Check it out. He didn't say as he sent them out, he didn't say, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to actually form a bunch of denominations. And I want you to, to break out in different sects. Not sex, not S-E-X. <laughs> just realized that's sex, S-E-C-T-S. I want you to break out in different sects according to what you look like and what you act like and what you believe. And let's just all be divided and let's be mean-spirited and judgmental to other denominations. No, no, he didn't say do that, right? He, he didn't say, here's how we're gonna change the world. I want you to get really involved in politics and I want you to totally associate with, with the CNN crowd. I didn't leave y'all out. He didn't, he didn't say, <laughs> I want you to be totally Fox Network, right, all the time. No, he didn't say that. No. Listen, people ask me all the time, Pastor, you right wing or left wing? You right wing or left wing? I ain't right wing or left wing. I'm for the whole freaking bird. I love all people. Every single, it doesn't matter where you are on the political spectrum, I'm gonna love you because we are a part of a kingdom that is far bigger than Americanism or nationalism. Now you think that's done, just stick around till 2023. You'll hear me do a whole series on that as we get towards another election. But he didn't say, that's what I want you to do. So many Christians have sold their soul to politics. He didn't say we're gonna change the world through, he didn't say, he didn't say we're gonna change the world through your self-righteousness or my morality. He didn't say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out, man, and when you're around the water cooler on Monday and somebody from your workplace starts telling you about an awesome slapping party they went to, here's what I want you to say. I want you to look at them with just some disgust in your voice and just say, how, why would you do that? And then just walk away from there, how about that? He didn't say that's how you're gonna change the world. He, he didn't say you're gonna change the world through being mean-spirited or judgmental. He says, I'm giving you a new command. And this was very different. Make no mistake about it, we might be a little more used to it, but the disciples were like, whoa, he teaches not like every other rabbi. This is, this is different. He, He's teaching something new. And he says, the way you're going to change the world is by loving people. And he doesn't leave it kind of generic, warm, fuzzy, Hallmark love. No, no, no. He says, the, the way you're gonna change the world is you love them as I have loved you. You follow my example. It's, it's all about proximity. Everybody say proximity. I put it like this in my notes. The ministry of Jesus flowed out of proximity. Will you say that with me? The ministry of Jesus flowed out of proximity. I like the way the message translation interprets John 1:14. You know that, that passage. He came among us full of grace and truth. And look at what John 1:14 in, in, in the message translation says. The word became flesh and blood, I love this, and moved up into the neighborhood. That's good stuff. It's, it's incarnational. It's flesh, it's blood, it's, it's all about proximity. And come on, proximity is the way we let folks know that we care. Proximity is the way people let you know that they care. I remember when I was 
uh, training for ministry, I, I got assigned to a field education at, at the hospital. And I, I, I remember I was so nervous, like I didn't know what to do. I was nervous about going and standing beside uh, people on their deathbed and ministering to families. And, and I was just all anxious about this. And I'll never forget the leader of the, the chaplaincy ministry over there at Duke said, listen, you need to remember this. They will never remember what you say. <laughs> They'll always remember though that you showed up. There's something incredibly powerful about showing up and loving people in the Jesus way, right? And I, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm a little worried. I'm praying that America, like always, will have a short memory, we tend to do that. But I'm a little worried that COVID has changed us permanently. Like, if you, if you go around people, you can tell this sometimes, right? And maybe you're the same way. Like, I went to dab somebody up the other day and they went. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I'm worried that if we're not careful, we will be fundamentally and forever changed and we will be distancing ourselves from people. And in doing so, we will sacrifice the Jesus way of loving people, flesh and blood. In Japan, I don't know if you've heard this, but last year, 2021, they just put a new government position in place called the Minister of Loneliness. Now, it's kind of tricky. It sounds funny. Like you think they put a minister to, to increase loneliness. No, 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 no. What happened was they, they realized that people were so isolated and lonely in Japan that in October of last year, they created this position, again, minister of loneliness, because they had more people commit suicide during the month of October than all of the people that died of COVID-19 in the previous 12 months. And they said this, we've got to figure out creative ways to make sure we live in proximity to one another. We see all kinds of research on this. And we're a social media culture, right? And, and there's, we can redeem social media, but we have to be very careful with social media. Most of you know that I put it down for the summer. It's been so liberating. I'm actually now wondering if I'll ever pick it back up again. I can just use the church platforms and, and not do individual, I, I struggle with social media. There was a guy by the name of Hal. Uh, I was reading about this in a New York Times article. Hal had 700 friends on Facebook. It was Facebook or Instagram, I think it was Facebook. 700 friends. And he decided he was gonna throw a party for his 700 friends on Facebook. And so he sent out invitations and he kept posting about this party that he was going to have. 60 people marked that they would possibly, maybe attend, right? 15 said they were gonna be there. Hal said, you know what, I'm gonna go for 20. If 20 out of 700 people will show up, he goes, I'll be happy, 3%, 20. So he says this, and on the evening in question, I took a shower. Hal, good job, glad I took a shower. <laughs> I shaved, I put on new pants, and a favorite shirt, and I was brimming with optimism. <laughs> I headed over to the neighborhood watering hole and waited and waited and waited until eventually one person showed up. And the one woman who showed up to meet me, I didn't even know her. She was a friend of a friend. They talked for a few moments and she left. He waited until midnight 
No one else came. He ordered a cold beer and sulked and concluded his night in this article with these words. Huh, 700 friends and I'm drinking alone. We weren't made to live like we're living. We were made to live in proximity with people. And I think that story really captures where a lot of us are today. That's why I hope you paid close attention to the discipleship courses that were taken. I hope you'll consider meeting us out by the tent and getting involved in ministry. You weren't meant to live in isolation. You guys know who Elon Musk is? Of course you do. Of course you do. Homeboy's worth $280 billion. What do you, what do, you do with that kind of money? Some of you are like, I don't know, but I'd like to give it a try. I know. <laughs> like $280 billion. And, and I don't know if you know this, but if, when you got that kind of money, you own a lot of homes. Did you know he's selling his homes? He's been selling his homes and he, he was asked about it. And then he just kind of briefly kind of played it off. He says, you know, I, I just don't need the materialistic temptations. I need to focus on work and I just, I just don't need the homes anymore. But then in an interview, a, a, a person started drilling him a little bit more, started probing a little bit. And he said this, being in a huge empty house when there are no footsteps echoing through the hallways how do you make yourself happy in a situation like that? There's more. He said this in the interview. When I was a child, there was one thing I said. I, I said, I never want to be alone. And then if you watch it closely, you can see he's got this internal turmoil going on. And he, he kind of leaves for a moment and he starts to have this conversation with himself. And he whispered to himself, I never want to be alone. Now, rumors are, he lives in a $50,000 prefab home where all he does is work and sleep. A man worth $280 billion, or did I say $240? What does it matter, dude? $40 bill. But I'm, I got it right, 280, but what's another, what's another 40 bill, right? Richest man on the planet is dealing with this emptiness and dreadfulness of loneliness and isolation. And Jesus comes along and he shows us a completely different way. Remember last week, I sang a song up here for you, the wee little man, remember the wee little man? Jesus is walking through there and Zacchaeus is up in a tree and Jesus is like, yo, Zacchaeus, come down. I wanna stay with you. I wanna have dinner up in your crib. And they go and they do that. Jesus calls a prostitute to him. Jesus has an invalid coming. And the disciples were always trying to keep him away. They said, leave him alone. He's busy. He's the rabbi. He's teaching. He says, get away. Let them come. Let the little children come. He had this ability to just crop everything else out and focus in on the individual. Open up your Bibles to Luke 14, Luke chapter 14. And we're gonna, we're gonna end here today. It's called the parable of the great banquet. The parable of the great banquet. 
And so for context, Jesus tells this story. He's having dinner. He's having dinner at the house of one of these religious leaders. And so he looks around and Jesus all of a sudden starts to realize at this party, everybody's kind of in the in group. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was kind of in the religious elite group, the, the, the well-to-do, the schnitzy group. I just created a word, schnitzy. That's a great word, schnitzy. And they're all, they're, they're in this exclusive group and Jesus looks around, he's like, yo, why, why is it just us but not them? And he starts challenging the person who's having this party. You see, Jesus was making it sure that we knew that his kingdom, his church, his followers are not really into exclusivity. And that right there will rub us wrong, right? Because we like exclusive things, don't we? You get that invitation in the mail, hey, come be a member of our exclusive club. You lean in because of the word exclusive. And Jesus looks around, he goes, it's, 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 this is about us versus them. And so he, he starts to set the record straight. He, he starts to press, he starts to probe, and then he, then he tells this parable. And in Luke 14, Jesus turns to the host. Remember, it's a real situation up till now. It's a dinner party. And it's all the schnitzy people. And Jesus was invited. Jesus comes in and he starts saying, hey, this, this party is not my kind of party. And so he turns to the host and he says, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to invite certain people. Look at what he says here in verse 12. Don't invite your friends, your brothers and your relatives and your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back. And so you will be, what? What's that key word? You will be repaid. Now, this is what's crazy. Jesus starts to link. He starts to link rewards in heaven based upon who we hang out with on planet earth. Wow was right. If that doesn't get your attention, that jolted me this week as I studied that. He is connecting with war, rewards in heaven with the people I spend time with on planet earth. Now don't take that too far. I'm not saying, nor was Jesus, that you're saved based upon what you do. You're not saved upon uh, who you hang out with. We are saved upon nothing less than the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Amen. That's how we're, but, but Jesus is connecting the two. And I can see in my mind's eye when he says, hey, don't just invite your friends and your brothers and your relatives. I can see people sitting around going, well, darn, there's a friend to the host and there's his brother and there's all these in people. Look at what he says next. Jesus says, instead, instead, invite the who church? Yeah, I know, you, you didn't say that like you were excited about it. I know, I know. Invite the poor, the what church, the what? The what? And the blind, there's your, there's your invite list. Poor, crippled, lame, and blind. And then he connects it again to these, these rewards. Then at the resurrection of the righteous that is in heaven, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. And Jesus has ruined the party. <laughs> party foul. Who, who invited the Messiah? <laughs> and, 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 have you guys ever been around people, you ever been around somebody who they don't like tension? Like they run from tension or conflict? 
And it's like if there becomes a tense moment in a conversation, they're the one who's always trying to like move the conversation on or highlight a, a, very, a very positive aspect of the conversation. And if you've been around those other people who they love conflict, I mean, when the conflict breaks out, they grab the popcorn and they're like, <laughs> you, you're right, you've been around those? Well, well, there's this dude there. He doesn't like conflict. He, he's an equalizer. And, and look at what he says. Hearing this, I love this. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus is saying, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Homeboy's trying to move the party on. <laughs> Forget the tension, right? And Jesus, I love this. Jesus decides, no, 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 no. And Jesus presses in more and he probes more. The great physician comes in and he's starting to, to do surgery on this party here. And then he, he says this, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready, but they all began to make excuses. You know people who make excuses? They always just make an excuse for something, never taking responsibility. So these cats start making excuses. Jesus is painting this beautiful picture for not this exclusive party, but this inclusive party. And he sends the, sends the invitations out to anyone and everyone. They start making excuses. If you read the text, I encourage you to go read the whole chapter later. One guy said, I bought a field and I must go inspect it. Please excuse me, Jesus. The other cat says, you know what? I have bought five pairs of oxen. I guess I need to go test drive them. Please excuse me, Jesus. Right? Another said, I just got married. <laughs> I can't come. In other words, my wife won't let me. He blames it on his wife. And they start making excuse after excuse after excuse. But you know, like I do, we make time for what's important to us. Priority will always, always impact proximity. And Jesus is just course correcting here. And in verse 22, he continues with the story. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. Remember all the excuse making. The master which is God in the parables when Jesus tells them, the master was furious and said, watch this, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town, go to the places you don't usually go and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. In other words, Jesus' parties are not exclusive they are inclusive. They include people that the world overlooks. They invite people that are always uninvited. They are based upon a one at a time lifestyle where Jesus crops everything else out and he always zooms in on the person who is in need. Listen, write this down, this is key. No contact equals no impact. Say it with me. No contact equals no impact. One more time. No contact equals no impact. You see, I can impact you up here. I know this is my calling and I give God all the glory for it. And, but I'm learning more and more these days that, that I can only impact people so far up here where I really can impact people is down here. You, you guys know that you've heard me say lately, you know, 
the more I'm in ministry and life goes on, the more I'd, I'd much rather be down here than up there. Because down here, I can impact people because it's all about proximity. What's up, Scott? Hey, if you play, uh, if you play spades, Scott and I will take you on in spades. We will, we will smoke you. That brother, that brother can play spades, and y'all know I used to play up in jail. Pow! So Scott and I can play some spades. First time guest going, oh, what about, who is this guy? So, meet me afterwards, I'll tell you all about it. But like, like I, I impact people face to face, person to person. I was on Franklin Street. Uh, if you know about Chapel Hill, Franklin Street is the main street that runs through Chapel Hill. And I went down to Franklin Street because I had a meeting with a new hoper and, and I couldn't find a parking place. And so I parked over there by top of the hill. Y'all know where top of the hill restaurant is? Great restaurant. And I might have parked illegally, Abby. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and I was praying for favor as I, as I walked away from the parking spot. Because favor ain't fair. Have I told you favor ain't fair? And, and, I, and I did get favor that day. I didn't get a ticket. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm walking and, and I'm coming down this, this street that's this right by Franklin, top of the hill. You're top of the hill right now. Top of the hill is right here, if you know this area. And I turn on Franklin, right on Franklin, top of the hill is right here. And I'm moving fast. Like y'all know, because I, I, I'm, 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 I'm always moving, right? So I'm moving fast. And when I, when I turned the corner right at the top of the hill, I turned the corner, I noticed just for a moment, there was a, there was a brother that was laid out on the, on the sidewalk right here. You've seen him, you see him all the time. And he's disheveled, he's unkempt, he, he, he's obviously homeless. And as I'm walking by him at Mach 5 speed, he goes, hey, can you, can you spare any change? And I kept moving really quickly. And I, I told the truth, like, who carries cash anymore? I said, I don't have any cash. And I kept moving. And as I was moving and I passed by him, said, I don't have any cash. He goes, hope to see you Sunday, Pastor Benji. And I stopped. Why did I stop? Because I'm a sinner and I was shameful and I was embarrassed. And I turned around and I went back and I said, hey, nice to meet you. And I shook his hand and he told me he'd been to New Hope some and I was so convicted. I felt so bad. So I was late to my appointment and I sat down on the sidewalk with him and just did life with him for about 15 minutes. That was the best 15 minutes of my day. We gotta, we gotta come out of our exclusivity, church. We gotta, we gotta get back to loving people, church. We got to get back to, to, I know Jesus was a preacher and he impacted people from his sermons, but you know where he really impacted people? Go read the gospels. He impacted people in between the sermons. He, he impacted people when he, when he came off the, the mountains and, and, he, and he just did life with people and he cared for people and he loved people. 
It's the Jesus way. It's always been the new hope way. And I worry that if we're not careful, we will allow the season that humanity has just lived through to permanently impact us and we will become masters at distancing ourselves from people. And what God's been teaching me is you gotta get back to slowing down and loving people. So just by way of wrap up, I just wanna give you ever so quickly some points of application. Here they are, read it out with me. The first one, we're just, here we go. It's gonna pop up here in just a second. Go, living in proximity means being fully present. Whoa is right. Are you like me? Do you ever have a hard time just being fully present? You ever be talking to people, man, and they're talking, and before long, you like, you like just zone out, and all you hear is wah, 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 wah. We gotta be fully present. I got this coffee cup. I collect coffee mugs. I have way too many coffee mugs. But one of my favorite coffee mugs that I've been really drinking out of these days, to, because this is what God's kind of doing in my life right now, it, it, it says, be fully present today. So I'm working really hard to, to just be fully present. I would encourage you to do the same. Here's the second point of application. Go. Living in proximity means loving uninvited and overlooked people. Wow. So when you start back having people over your house, most of us haven't even started back that yet. Can I, it's time, it's time. Hey, listen, if you're not careful, the media will scare you to death for the rest of your life and convince you to stay away from people. If it ain't COVID, it's monkeypox. I'm not telling you to be stupid and ignore science. That's not what I'm saying. But I am telling it like it is and the media will continue to try to fan this flame of fear in your life. When you start back having gatherings, even if they're outside, I know you're gonna have your, your, your cool list, <laughs> those you wanna be with. We all wanna be with people that we know and we like and it's easy. Why not start inviting some of the overlooked or uninvited people. Beth Moore, I'm a big Beth Moore fan. I don't know if you know Beth Moore. She, she's a great Bible teacher. My respect just went through the roof for her in the last couple of years because she left a major denomination because they weren't treating women the way she read the scriptures. And so um, she, she left this denomination and she left this large church and now she's in this small church. And uh, she, she tells this story. She was at the airport and she uh, was getting ready to board her flight. And she's sitting there and she pulls out her laptop and she starts studying the message that she's gonna teach. And uh, the Lord whispered to her, you need to go care for that man sitting right there. And, and some of you are like, ooh, that's weird. But if you walk with the Lord long enough, you'll actually start to, to know what it's like. Jesus says in John's gospel, they will recognize my voice. You can hear his voice. And so she, she started arguing with the Lord. If you've done this, I've done this many, many times. She's like, she's like, Lord, I got a message to teach. I ain't, got, I ain't got time for that. And the Holy Spirit kept prompting her. And there was this brother sitting near her in the airport. He, he, was, he was very disheveled. He was in a wheelchair, unkempt, kind of like the guy I met on Franklin Street, right? And, and she said, the Lord 
the Lord led her and spoke to her heart that day. You need to go brush his hair. Now that is weird. But she heard his voice. And so she walked over there and she said, sir, you know, little Beth Moore, can I, can I brush your hair? He goes, huh? <laughs> she goes, sir, if you don't mind, can, can I brush your hair? He goes, young lady, if you want to talk to me, you better speak up. So she spoke up. She said it got real awkward because people started watching. She goes, can I brush your hair? He goes, if you want to. She goes, I don't have a hairbrush. He said, well, I got one in my bag. And Beth Moore went around him and she got down on her knees and she started going through his bag and she found his hairbrush. And she tells the story, she brushes his hair. Beth says, if I'm good at anything, I'm good at brushing hair. She's got kids and grandkids. She said, I brushed his hair and I got so smooth and in place. And she goes, when I was done, she goes, I knew it was time because the Lord, the Lord's gonna lead you to speak to somebody. He's gonna lead you to talk to him about the Lord or at least invite him to his church. And uh, she goes, do you mind me asking, do you know the Lord? And he goes, oh yeah. He goes, I married my bride 40 years ago and she told me I wasn't gonna get to know her till I got to know him. <laughs> he goes, oh yeah, I know the Lord. So Beth was kind of confused because she thought the Lord had led her to talk to him about the Lord. They said goodbye and she went back and sat down. She made her way to the plane when they called to board the plane and an airline hostess came up to her and with tears in her eyes said, do you mind me asking, why did you brush that man's hair? She said, because I belong to Jesus. And Jesus calls me to love people. And then she looked at the airline hostess and she said, do you know my Jesus? And the lady said, I'm not sure, but I really want to get to know him now. It's the Jesus way, church. It's to love people when they're mean to you, when they say things about you, when they leave you, when they hurt you, when you know them or you don't know them. We just love people. I mentioned social media earlier, so I will just say this in closing. I, I know that so many of us are on it, but don't be fooled for a moment. It can't replace this proximity that I'm talking about. And if you're gonna be on it, for the love of God, use it to minister to people. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you can simply use your platform to minister to people for Jesus. So I put this third one up there, though, though I'm making it clear, internet, social media does not replace this proximity, but I say it like this, living in proximity means at least using our socials, any of the social platforms you're on, and our screens to share and invite God's children to his house. Like and share anything that ever goes out from your church, if you go to this church or another church. Like and share. Put verses of scripture. Invite people to your church because the people who are on the other side of those screens, they're lonely. 
They're desperate. They're thinking about taking their life. There's this other verse that, that we're gonna close with and it's in Luke 4, 14 as well. Same passage that we've been looking at. I want, you to, I want you to pay close attention to what it says about God's house. Let's read this out loud together. Go. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. Check it out. His master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and ur urge anyone you find to come so that so that what? House will be full. God loves a full house. God wants his house full of people. And he sends you and me out every single week to enter the mission field and to love people as he loved people. A new command, Jesus says, that I'm showing you that you are to love people as I have loved you. I put a prayer together for us. We don't always pray out loud together at the end of a message, but I felt there would be some conviction in the house today some engagement because you know as well as I do there's no better way to live life than the Jesus way so I want to invite you to say this prayer with me if you feel it if you don't don't, don't pray it go God help me to find myself living in proximity with somebody that needs to be seen heard and loved. Lord Jesus, help me follow this new command of yours to love people as you loved them. Let's continue. Please help me seize these opportunities and live a one at a time life for you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. And amen.